Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we're through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible that Jacob tries to bribe a god, except for it's not really a god, it's his son, and it turns out that he didn't actually have to bribe him. If you're wondering what in the world are we looking at, Genesis chapter 43, verses 1 through 15, hanging out with Kessia Rain today. Um, so when I was reading through this passage, it's the part of the Bible where there's the famine, and Jacob has to decide, what do we do? I got to go get some more food. And there's this point in the passage where he's like, bring all the things, bring pistachio nuts and almonds and honey and gum and aromatic resin. I don't know what that is, but he says, bring all the things twice as much as money as we needed. And hopefully Pharaoh won't be upset at us. And it just makes me think of like, man, how many times have I attempted to earn favor by God by bribing him? And maybe that's not exactly what this passage is about, but it got me thinking about how many times I've tried to bribe God through good actions or making pleas or deals. Actually, funny story I can share with you, Kestiarain, and we'll dive into the, uh, into the text in a bit. When I was a young kid, one of my earliest memories was when I had a fever. And it was one of those fevers, like it's well over 100, it's kind of dangerous. And so my parents went through this kind of dramatic response where they filled the bathtub with like bags and bags and bags of ice in an attempt to bring my temperature down. And the way that I remember the story, maybe these details are not entirely accurate, but the way I remember the story is they're lowering me into the tub and like a gymnast, my feet come up and I do like an L sit because <laughs> I don't want to be in the water. But of course, my family plunges me in the water and I start crying. And uh, the way that I remember this is that I start to plead with my dad and to apologize like, dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll be a good boy. I'll be a good boy because I because you don't understand what's happening, right? You, you don't have any context for why you're being exposed to this immense pain. And I remember saying, I'll be good to Jordan. I won't hurt. I won't pick on Jordan anymore. I'll be a good boy. I'll be a good boy. And it was just me pleading trying to beg my dad to remove me from this suffering. And so that's a story that I think about when it comes to like bribing God. It was something that I was attempting to do to bribe my dad. And yet not realizing all the while it was for my own good. So that I don't know, is, maybe there's a lesson there. 
that's like a heartbreaking story for real. Yeah. It's like picturing this kid like so desperately like pledging his best behavior and thinking that it's because he's been bad. Oh mm. my goodness. <laughs> Boy, the heart of this mother is like super sad hearing that. Yeah, I hope I never have to put Maddie through an experience like that. Yeah, did they not have like children's Advil when you were a kid? Like how old are you? Come on. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they maybe didn't invent it yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's older than he looks, guys. He's older yeah, than yeah. he looks. Um, yeah, bribing um, apparently works sometimes, but when it comes to God, it's just not a useful strategy. Um, does, it does not work. And the, this is part of the intrigue of this story that we know behind the scenes what Jacob right. and the brothers don't know. We mm -hmm. get to see the story. And so when we see them deliberating this or that, or like all the links that, that Jacob is going to, we're like, you know, you don't have to do that. Like, no, it's your son. It's Joseph. Like he loves you, you know, and he's, he's actually alive. Don't be sad. Like he's not going to yeah. hurt Benjamin. But, you know, we're shouting at the book and the book cannot hear us. Um, <laughs> but I, I but, think it's just such an interesting, uh, I don't know, parable of sorts for how many people view God. Because in, in this time, in this day and age, Pharaoh was seen as or at least saw himself as, you know, a deity on earth oftentimes, right? Right. And so there's this weird sense in which maybe the attempt is to placate the deity and and, and, and maybe even in the kind of sense of the that time frame, here's here's a deity who's got all the goods and all the other deities have led you astray, kind of a thing. Like you weren't prepared mm. for the famine and only one has been prepared. So there's a certain kind of maybe implicit understanding that one is kind of emerging as correct or as true or as powerful. And I got to get on the good side of that God. Little do we know, actually, the God who is powerful and true and in control is Yahweh and his uh, his representative, the son, is actually not someone that you have to bribe, but is someone who is already predisposed to favor you and is working things out for your good. Yes. What a relief. I I see in this desire, I mean, how desperate Jacob is to win the favor of this so-called governor, the ruler of Egypt, which is mm -hmm. actually Joseph. And it's really kind of an agonizing chapter if you put yourself in Jacob's shoes and you and you don't remember what we all know behind the scenes. The famine is it says in verse one of this chapter is severe in the land. And we know mm -hmm. that it lasts for years. So if someone had like a supply of grain stored up, that's good. That maybe could have lasted them through one winter or whatever. And now they then they go another year without any grain and another year and another year mm. and another year. We're talking like life and death scenarios here, right? Like that's the context it, it, that the is brothers Is this the timeline that we're, we're inferring from this text that it's several years? Like Simeon's been in jail for a couple of years maybe at this point? I don't know that he's been there a couple of years, but we know the famine lasted seven years, right? Gotcha. Yeah. They had seven years of of abundant grain and then seven years of famine. And so I don't know how far into the famine they are at this point, but we know that it's so long. They go and they get grain, they come back, they go through it all because they don't go back and get Simeon right away. Yeah, poor guy. Jacob, yeah, I know. He's just in prison, um, hopefully getting treated fairly well, uh, but doesn't say. So he's just in prison. Like he's got a family in Canaan. Mm -hmm. who does not have him. Like he has sons, oh, you know, and he's in prison in Egypt. 
And Jacob considers him as good as dead, right? Because mm. he actually says to them, you have deprived me of my children, right? He's like, you, there went Joseph, now Simeon, and now you're trying to take Benjamin. Mm. And anyway, so he's really in a heartbreaking situation. He feels like he's at the, he's at this crux of like, does he let himself and his whole family, his sons and all of their children, does he let his whole family starve mm -hmm. or does he give up his son? Does he let this whole tribe die or does he save Benjamin? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting insight. And I hope none of us ever have to be in, in this type of position, right? But it's an interesting insight to to what God was going through. Like if, if it, I don't think it's too much of a leap to make this connection. Maybe this is actually the point of the story, right? Is that here's God you know, wanting to save all of humanity because he loves them. And yet he recognizes, recognizes the cost in, in order to do this, he has to send his own son to be the propitiation for us. It's, it's a, it's an interesting dilemma because, you know, like it's, I, maybe it's easier for God to do that. Maybe it's not easier for God. I don't know. I've, I was, I guess in my mind, I've always thought like, oh, it was, it wasn't that hard for God to make that decision. Cause like, for him, it was like obvious, but maybe that's not giving enough credence to what's happening. Maybe it mm. was a difficult decision for him. I would imagine that what would make it difficult for God, God has perfect love. Right. So God only ever wants the best for the other, whether that's a human other or, you know, another person within the Trinity. But imagine being a God with perfect knowledge and perfect mm -hmm. empathy. So Jesus is suffering in the body, mm -hmm. but God, the father and God, the spirit know his suffering perfectly, right? They know all human suffering that way, but you know, it's like, so I think in some ways it's, it's harder because Jacob might imagine something happening to Benjamin, but Jacob is primarily worried about himself. And I don't, hmm. this is not to criticize Jacob. I think it's understandable and it's human and everything, but he's primarily concerned of like, like I, if I'm bereaved of him, like my gray head will go down into the grave. Like hmm. it will be so heartbreaking to me if something happens to him that I will die. Don't hmm. take Benjamin or I will die. Whereas I think for, for God, what I imagine would have been the more difficult thing is watching suffering, knowing mm. it perfectly, because you have a heart of infinite wisdom, infinite knowledge, infinite feeling to feel that perfectly. That would make it really hard. Like you might be right. sad if, if you're, you know, if someone you love died in a car accident and you would be bereaved and that would be so painful. But if you could watch the whole thing in slow motion in perfect time, and if you could feel everything her body felt or his body, you know, and like mm -hmm. experience it with them, I think that would be harder. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why in my mind, it's always been, it's an easy decision. It's just the obvious right moral thing to do. It's the good thing to do. And yet, yeah, I think that, I think you're right. If God notices when sparrows fall on the ground. And if he notices, even when a hair falls, you know, kind of a thing and he cares about us, then why would it somehow be mitigated when it's his 
the only begotten son, to use the language mm-hmm. of scripture. It would, it, at minimum, it would be the same, if not more, I think. How interesting. Okay, okay, okay. So so uh, Jacob is in this moment where he recognizes the cost. Like, it's either we all starve to death or I give up my own son. And it, it's just interesting to see how, like, how does he get to the point of saying, I'm willing to do this. And it seems like there's a role for, for Judah to play in this moment. Judah in, in a certain sense mm-hmm. is acting as an advocate is acting as an intercessor of sorts. And here we actually get to see him stepping into maybe one of those very key roles for him to be kind of growing towards over the course of the last couple of chapters. But I think it's so interesting. Judah's talking about, Hey, listen, um, I personally guarantee his safety is what the NLT says. You can hold me responsible if I don't bring him back to you. I, I think it was earlier in the previous chapters. He was saying, Hey, like kill my own kids. Or was that Reuben? Yeah. Reuben was saying, was Ruben, kill my yeah. own kids. Like there's this bargaining moment between the sons and, and Jacob. I think that's so interesting. Yes. Yeah. I, I do think it's significant that Judah is the one who says, like, you can hold me personally responsible. I will bear the blame before you all my life. And spoiler for upcoming episodes, but the thing that breaks Joseph's ruse eventually, the thing that brings him out of his undercover operation is when Judah makes a plea to Joseph, really Hmm. does hold himself responsible, narrates Jacob's situation and pledges himself, you know, and basically stands in the gap as the intercessor. Um, So he says, he basically says, I'll take his place. Hmm. I'll be the one who stays. I'll be the one who's imprisoned. I'll be the one who's a slave. I'll be the one who's mistreated rather than Benjamin. And so it's significant here because Judah makes this promise and um, that's why they get to go back and get to have food and all of that. But he makes it and he follows through with it, which Hmm. the Judah of chapters previously, you know, earlier Judah, younger Judah may not have done that. What we saw with, with how he treated Tamar does not, did not at that time indicate that he was a man intent on keeping promises. Hmm. That's, uh, that's, it's nice to know that there's, there's hope for us, right? There's hope for when we fall short, we make the mistake, we, we do the bad thing that there's still more ink to be, to be uh, shared on our story that we can actually step in and, and do the honorable thing and do the right thing. I'm glad that Judah is having this moment and, and and it's cool that we get to actually see like him reenacting the story of Jesus in this way. Yes. And I think at the very close, the thing that helps Jacob be able to let Benjamin go is he invokes the name of God almighty in verse 14. May El Shaddai, may God almighty grant you mercy before the man so he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So Mm. in a sense, I think what we see here is Jacob surrendering to the risk. Mm. He had to be willing to, to be vulnerable to the risk of losing Benjamin. And I, I find that to be powerful to me. That is one of the most spiritual acts of courage and bravery that we do is when we are able to just say, I have to commit the situation into the hands of God Almighty. Mm-hmm. And if if good happens, 
good happens, if bad happens, bad happens. Like I, I just have to let go of the outcome at this point. Yeah. How, how does this shift anything or does this shift anything if we interpret the story through the lens of like, there's still a Messiah who's meant to be coming through this line. Like we understand that it's supposed to be Judah and here's Judah volunteering to be the cursed one. Is, is the narrative clear that it has to be through Judah at this point or is it, how does the birthright work at that point? How does the promise work at that point? That is a good question. Well, the the blessing of Jacob to the sons is when we see the more clear prophecy, and that's going to come in chapter 49. Mm. Um, but you'll see, actually, boy, I should like try to stake my claim so I can talk about the prophecy to Judah in the blessing, because there's some super rich stuff in there. But that will come, mm. that will come later. Okay. So I, I mean, ask ask the, our other guests. Uh, but as far as I know, I don't think that becomes clear until a later chapter. Okay. So minimally, what we're saying is Jacob is willing to uh, throw his faith in God that something is going to happen. He's willing to put his his beloved son at risk, and maybe there's an element in which he's doing this all in an attempt to uh, to pursue that which has been promised to him by God. Cause, cause God's yeah. promise was that they would flourish and they're in the middle of a famine. And yet it seems Absolutely. like he's still pursuing the promise. Yeah. I imagine how it must've felt the promise to Jacob at this point. Like he has all these kids super and they're settled now super, but like they don't have anything to eat. I mean, they're on the verge of starvation. Mm-hmm. That's a little iffy. And it's only, I mean, he's blessed enough to be able to see what God was doing but then, I mean, it's just amazing. We often in our lifetimes don't get to see stuff like that. Like yeah. the story of God and the promises of God, sometimes that timeline is longer than our lifetime. Hmm. And we don't get to see. So we only see the evil, for instance. Hmm. Like if if you didn't, if pages out of your Bible were ripped out, like you only got partway through this, through this book, you only got to Genesis 40 or something. You're like, yeah, uh, things were just bad. You never got to see the redemption, right? How mm-hmm. what somebody planned for evil, God actually turned toward good. Um, mm-hmm. But then he did it in this amazing way. And even the grief that that Jacob is going through right now and giving up Benjamin, it has to happen so that they can all be reunited. Not mm-hmm. just so that Benjamin can be reunited with his father, Jacob, and actually have something to eat, but so that Joseph can be reunited with his whole family and they can all be out of the land of famine Hmm. and in safety. So it's kind of crazy when you think about how the kind of game that God can play, the kind of moves he can see and how he arranges it. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely uh, a relevant word for, for what's going on in the world today. You know, there, there are moments where it seems like, Oh, it's one step back. Now it's two steps back. But what we see in this narrative is every time that, you know, we take one step back, it's so that we can leap forward, you know, significantly further. And so God's able to work through the pains and the struggles of this world because he's the chess player. Like we've talked about that before. He's a, he's a chess player. He understands how to move so that the best outcome happens. And I guess the role for us is to be like Jacob in this sense, trusting on God, saying, all right, God, we're willing to, to, to go where you're calling. We're willing to trust that you know what you're doing. Yes, we can put our faith in El Shaddai or God Almighty, as my Bible translates it. And we've talked about how God can 
superintend over the events on a global scale. You know, put somebody in charge of Egypt and send Pharaoh a dream to explain all those events and all that kind of thing. But he's. we've also talked in this very episode about how near God is mm-hmm. and about how his heart has perfect knowledge and perfect sympathy. And so that is a God really worth trusting. This is a God who's not only wise enough and smart enough to work everything out, but he's also a God who's invested enough and kind enough to do it in our favor. So like Jacob, we can give what is most precious to us. We can release it into the hands of God and we know that he'll take good care of it. Hey, so it's been a while since we've done one of the shout outs. I kind of miss those because we get to learn about really cool things that are happening around the world and organizations or ministries or products that we can support. And we wanted to share one with you guys today that we think is doing great work. I am a proud supporter and contributor to ADRA, which is the Adventist Development and Relief Agency. And I have been blessed to participate in the work that they've been doing for quite a long time. But especially now with the invasion in Ukraine and the suffering that we see there in Ukraine and in the countries that are receiving refugees, it's hard to be so far away and feel like, what can I do to help? You know, we don't have any Ukrainian refugees coming over right now. What? How, how do I help? I offer my prayers, but being able to contribute to relief in this humanitarian crisis through ADRA has been one way I can contribute. So I'm grateful for ADRA and the work that they do to bring relief in disaster areas and humanitarian crises. I also appreciate the work that ADRA is doing. And I know that there's different ways to support. Some of those ways include like literally getting on a plane and going to the affected areas. And you can do that if if that's like you're available to do that. Great. I'm sure that they could use some help. But also for those of us who are unable to do that, I know that contributing to help uh, the, the nonprofit continue to operate all their relief projects, that that's one of the best ways that we can do so. So is there a website or something that if we are wanting more information about what's currently happening around the world, even if you're listening to this episode years past when it was recorded, they're still doing great work on the ground. So where can people go to support ADRA? Yes, that's adra.org. And you can see all kinds of projects that they're working on and make a contribution there. And I'm going to tell you a a very short story on this point, Justin. Please do. Um, In my early 20s, there was a a fire in my building. And it really created a lot of damage. And we had to be evacuated. We couldn't go back in to get clothes or anything. So whatever we were wearing was all that we had. And the... um, the response emergency response group or whatever came over and they had boxes of donated clothes for us to use. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking someone probably donated this item, not knowing where it was going to end up. And it's not the kind of thing I would have shopped for, for myself if I had every option, but it was one of the most, it just made a really big impact on me on the day that I went and got those clothes because it was Mm -hmm. literally the only thing I had to wear. Like I didn't have a shirt on. I had like a sweatshirt over nothing and like pants and no socks and stuff like that. So I just think about even if your contribution to a humanitarian crisis through Adra or who whoever is like 12 bucks, like what that can actually provide to someone in a moment of need to meet a real physical need that they have, that mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. So I know the kind of difference it made to me in a very 
relatively speaking, minor crisis. So mm-hmm. how much more like those dollars and the goodwill that goes with it, they make a really big difference. Yeah, I was watching some friends on Instagram. Uh, this is from a not the, not the same nonprofit, but another nonprofit called Child Impact International, which is another one that you guys could go check out and see. They do great work. But the way that they're working is to actually purchase mattresses to fleeing refugees because there's a lot of these refugees who, yeah, they have housing and they have bedding in the sense that like there are wooden slats across a bed frame, but no mattress. And so what does it take to, to, to purchase mattress, to ship them in? And hey, even if you're helping to provide for one mattress so that a refugee can have a good night's sleep, all things considered, like that's a great way to be supportive. So all that to say, I think what you're trying to say and what I want to echo is it doesn't have to be a million dollars. If you've got a million dollars, give it. Great. But even if it's 12 bucks, you purchase a sweater for someone, you get a blanket for someone that makes all the difference. So check them out. Adra, Child Child Impact International, whatever other nonprofits out there that are doing great work. Support. 